Thank you for listening to our podcast today from Crossroads, South Arkansas. I am teaching Pastor David Preston, Jr. I pray that the words you hear will bring you closer to God and encourage you as you go through your day and week. Thanks again for joining us. who know Jesus go to heaven um, oh gosh. we're gonna we're gonna be worshiping him you know that that's number one we're gonna be worshiping him uh, in fact that's that's pretty much all we're gonna be doing which will be exciting I promise and we'll sing all different kinds of songs we'll sing some you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll sing Amazing Grace. I believe God speaks to songwriters and gives them songs, you know. Um, we're going to sing a lot of different songs. And there's going to be a posture of how we worship Him. So, there, there will be things that you won't be able to not be on your face in front of Him. Like, there will be times that... Literally, when you see him immediately, you'll fall to your face. It that's just a fact. It's just what's going to happen. It talks about it in the scriptures. And there'll be times that we sing, and there'll be times we sing "Holy, Holy, Holy," which is what we probably will sing the majority of the time. And then we're going to do a lot of things that people are going to be like, <laughs> that if we did it down here, people are like, they're crazy. It's just going to happen. It's just what's going to happen. And there we won't care. Right? We just won't care. Here we care. Because we get, we kind of get nervous, you know, get that red that starts going right down here. And we're like, oh, what are they going to, what are they going to say? You know, it's just what happens. And I tell, I tell this story a lot because I think it's important. And you know what? I'll give you a favor. You can sit down. Somebody went, <laughs> So, growing up, my daddy, you know, he was a pastor. Papa was a pastor. And, and growing up, we, we went to churches that, I mean, honestly, that if you raised your hands, they, they were snipers in the back that as soon as your arm got over your shoulder, they shoot you and... Everybody was so afraid they would never raise their hands. That's just, I'm just being a, that's a joke. They didn't do that, but you would have thought that was the case. Sorry. The kids are like, what? <laughs> they did? <clears throat> oh, Miss Edna started yawning and they took her out of it. Uh, That's how I was conditioned to, to grow up, you know. It's like you did you just didn't show a lot of emotion or you didn't not even emotion, but you didn't show any kind of outward expression of what your heart was feeling. And and <laughs> I mean we would hold the book and that's what we would do. And we would read the words, and I think the words would touch us, and I really think we were worshiping. Don't get me wrong, but I think 
this was our posture. And I, I feel like one, when we get to heaven one day, that this will never be our posture. Like we won't have to read the Word just so we're going to know them. They're just going to be in our heart and they're going to flow from us. We're all going to become writers. We're going to sing a new song. That's what it says. And that was the way I was conditioned. So growing up, I was like, man, you know, <laughs> I, we moved to Tennessee. And when I went to Tennessee, I went to a church. And I'd always thought when people would like, you know, when they would raise their hands in worship or when they would close their eyes or they'd do anything, I'd be like, man, those people are fake. And you know why I thought that? It was because I thought that's what people thought about me. If I did anything like that, I thought, man, they know who I am. They know what I've done. Like they're going to believe that, that I'm just showing I'm putting you know I'm just putting on or whatever and so we got to Tennessee and and we started singing these songs and and they were songs that it that God had allowed me to be a part of and and then they were songs that were like about me like about my life and they would start singing them and they would hit the first note and I would just lose it like and I'm I'm more emotional since we had kids but I'll I just wasn't that guy that something could happen immediately. I go, I just start crying. And like, I don't know what it was, but I, I knew that these songs were speaking to me in a way that maybe I, had never happened before. And and I felt one time in the church services like I need to I need to raise my hands. And immediately I was like, no, I don't, because everybody here is gonna be thinking bad things about me. They're gonna they they know what I've done, you know. That was always my deal, they know what I've done. Because I, I get ashamed about things that I've done. And then I realized too that if people still believe that I am the way that I am when all the junk that I've ever done happened, then they don't understand the grace of God and how He can deliver you. And and I started I'd had these conversations with myself and by the time we would get done, the song service was over and we were sitting down, I was like, Whew, thank the Lord. Dodged the one that time, you know? And then Something happened one Sunday, and they I'm talking, they I was thinking, I'm gonna be good today, I'm not gonna cry, you know, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna listen and I'm gonna sing, it's gonna be great. I'm talking the first song, so they get the note, and I went, I knew what it was, man, I, I knew what the song was, I just lost it, and I don't know why, but I was just losing it, and I was like, man, I need to raise my hands, you know, <laughs> I need to do that, but it's so weird, I don't know if I need to. And y'all, I heard the Lord speak to me, not audibly, it would have been awesome, but I felt in my spirit what He was saying so clearly, never questioned it, immediately knew it was from Him, immediately knew that the course of action that I need to take. Which here's the deal, when God speaks to you, it immediately deserves a reaction. Okay, so when He says, hey, you do this, it's immediate. And not being obedient is disobedience. Even if you do it a minute later. I'm talking, it deserves a reaction. Here's what I heard the Lord say to me. Cliff, because he calls me Cliff with a T. I don't know. <laughs> he said, Cliff, you raise your hands to me because I'm worthy of that at the least. And you let me deal with everybody else. <laughs> I was like... Oh, stay up. He did it there. Y'all, you want to know how fast my hands went up in that service? And look, here's the deal. Nobody looked at me. 
nobody turned around and was like, <gasps> nobody did that. I mean, it happened and nobody cared except for God. Here's the crazy thing, man. Nobody is going to care how you express yourself in worship biblically now except for God. But see, we psych ourselves out, right? We we say, well, man, I can't do stuff like that. I can't I can't biblically worship the Lord. I just can't do that because then somebody's gonna see me. They're gonna look at me, and then and then it's gonna it's gonna cause a distraction. Shoot, some of us need to be distracted for the Lord. We we get distracted from our cell phone. That's what we need to be distracted from, and put our eyes on Jesus. The crazy thing is, is that the enemy has lied to us for so long that we're stuck where we always have been. And when we get to heaven, it's going to surprise us, and we're not going to know what to do. Do you know what this is? This is practice. It is practice for one day being before a holy God and being able to worship. That's exactly what it is. I could preach the whole sermon on the seven different ways, the seven different words that the that the Greek language and the Hebrew language use for worship. There are seven different words for praise that use in the Bible. But what we did is we just translated them all to praise, but there are seven different words. Do you know that one of those words means raising your hands? If we read it like it was originally written, we would know that there is a time for raising hands. There's a time for being on your knees. There's a time that you clap. There's a time, one of those words, Hallel, literally means to strum a guitar or something with strings. That just rocks somebody's world in here. Because some of you think that stringed instruments are from the devil. Nope, Austin, I'm sorry. But here's the deal. <laughs> There is a word in the Bible, in the Hebrew language, that our Lord inspired to say that literally means to praise Him by the strumming of a stringed instrument. So we just don't know. Because that hasn't been something that we wanted to talk about. Because it's easier to just sing our three songs, let the preacher preach, and go eat. Hopefully before the Methodists get out of church. <laughs> I just remember we're on live stream. We love everybody. <laughs> well, you got to admit, y'all get out a little later than we do. <laughs> I do not regret one thing I've said. <laughs> You get what I'm saying? Seven different words. And some of you are sitting there going, why won't he just sing? And some of you, some of you are sitting there going, it's going to put us getting out a little late. Here's the deal. Y'all, the worst thing that we can do is come in here and be normal. It's to be how everybody expects us to be. It's to sit here and say, well, we can't allow the Lord to move or to speak because we've got to finish what's in the program. 
you notice we don't have a program. We don't have a thing that's going to let everybody know what to do because I promise you, here's what I do when I have a program. All right, how many more till the end? That's what I do. It's kind of bad for me to sit back there because I know how many slides are left until Dave gets done. I've got to pray. God help me not to see there's 58 more slides. Till they get done. And now he has his little clicker and I can't move him along. Amen. <laughs> Here's what I'll tell you today. This place here, these pews, there's nothing special about it. This this building is not the church. We are the church. And this place, this building is a safe place. It's declared a place where you worship how you feel like you need to. Biblically. And here's the deal. If it's not biblical, we'll tell you. We'll let you know. But just worship. If you feel like you need to raise your hands, raise your hands. If you feel like you don't need to, don't. If you feel like you need to yeah. shout, there's a one of the seven is shout. Shout. And if somebody gets mad about it, then I'll try my best to lead them to the Lord. Excited. Yeah. You'd hug them. You'd probably be like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You'd lay your head on their chest. And that's me. I would. Because I'm that kind of guy. Like, I, I would be happy and thankful. Yeah. I know. I may sing them a song. You wrote down in the water and you saved my life. Like, I, I would, I, I literally would, I, you'd be happy. If God changed you, there's going to be a, a thankfulness about that. We're going to thank Him. That's, that's, that's what worship is. We thank you. Thank you. And if we went up to the guy who dove in the water and saved us, and we went, thanks. And we walked off. He's not going to think you're very thankful. Thanks. You know what that tells me? If I if I save somebody and they come and go, thanks. And I ever see them again in the water, in a car, I'm like, brother didn't even get, smile. He just went, thanks. I'm going to let them sweat it out a little bit. <laughs> I wonder what God's up there doing. Sometimes he's weeping. 
man, do they even understand? Do they even understand what I did for them? Do they even understand what I gave them? Do they even understand what path they were on and what path they're on now? Do they even understand? And sometimes he sits there and he basks in it and he's like, they understand today. Let me ask you a question. Based off of how we worship today, what is God saying? Is He saying, do they even understand? Or is He saying, they get it today? That's my question to you. Father God, we pray today that You are pleased with what we have to offer. And Lord, I pray this morning that You would just continue to show us exactly what we need to do. God, that You would continue to teach us what it is that we need to know. God, that every day that you would show us a little more of yourself. God, that you would become real to us that whenever we sang and whenever we worshiped you, that we couldn't help. Lord, we couldn't help to do it in a way that would be pleasing to you. God, you created us. Lord, you made us knowing that we would fail you and we would Lord betray you and you created us anyway God you give us a way you give us a way to return to you you sent your son to die for us Lord you watched him suffer for people that you knew that some of us wouldn't, wouldn't love you back So God, today I pray that we would get it. Whatever it is that you have for us, I pray we would get it. God, that you would cleanse us, you would heal us. God, that you would heal us physically, those who need to be healed. That you would heal us emotionally and physically. God, that you would evident that we could feel your arms around us and God in the end of the day I pray that you would give us the strength to worship you with all of our hearts because it matters in your name we pray all these things amen you can be seen. I think well let me just say it this way to me it's obvious that God has a word for somebody today. Let me explain why I say to me it's obvious. It might not be obvious to you yet, but as I was sitting back there listening to the clip, uh, seeing just like he talked about God said something to him and he didn't hear it, I had the same thing happen just back there, just now. And God said, you need to chase a rabbit. So I was going to get up here and say, I'm going to chase the rabbit before I get started. But you know what happened? God put that rabbit in front of Cliff. And 50% of the stuff that God had on my heart to say, Cliff just said it right here. The other 50% of the stuff I'm not smart enough to say. There's a word for somebody here today. And it might just be freedom. It might just be freedom. You know, here's the thing, and I'm going to carry on. I'm going to chase a little bit further down that hole that Cliff did because there's one thing he didn't say that I want to. And he said this kind of in a way, but not, not this way. So I'm going to say it my way too. 
Worship is one of the ways, it's a measurable way that God can see how much we love Him. It's measurable to Him. You know, I, McKinley, my little, one of the twins, will come up to me at random times and she'll climb up in my lap or she'll come up and give me a hug and she'll say, Daddy, I love you. You're the best daddy ever. And I'll say, McKinley, I love you too. And she goes, but I love Mama. And I'm like, oh, I love Mama too. She wants me to know she loves me, but she loves Mama too and hopes that's okay. Isn't that how it should be? Isn't that how it should be? But when she comes up and says, I love you, there's nothing more special than that. Not one thing in this world is more special than that. And when she says, I love Mama too, it doesn't even take anything away from it. It's still okay. <coughs> My kids, how can I measure their love for me? How they tell me, how they act, how they follow what I've taught them. I can see how much they love me by how they act and how they tell me. We were raised in a family that says, I love you. I don't hang up the phone with my brothers without telling them I love them. Hutch kind of gets a little bit embarrassed by how they love me. Just like that. He don't want people to know what he's saying. Love you. Love you too, Hutch. He's not here today, so I'm going to make fun of him. But we do. That's the way we were raised because our dad and our mom always told us you never know when it's going to be your last opportunity to tell somebody you love them. You never know. So why risk being the last thing you said not being I love you? I have comfort today the night before my dad had his heart attack for some reason all three of us happened to call him that night for different reasons he was as happy and as healthy as he has been in a long time he actually told me that night, he said, you know what, I don't know why, but I actually feel pretty good tonight. Going to the doctor in the next couple of days and we're going to get this straightened out. And I'm like, Dad, that's awesome. The last thing I told him is like, you know I love you. And he said, I love you too, son. Hutch called him that night. Same conversation. Cliff called him that night. The same conversation. Before we had a chance to talk to him again, he was in eternity. But we all three know the last thing we told our dad was off. And I'm bawling like a baby, but that gives me so much comfort. To him, it was measurable because I showed him and I told him. If worship is measurable to God, we should show him and we should tell them. And when you do it, 
with a worshipful heart. You do it with the right heart. The freedom that you experience is not, you can't compare it to anything. What Cliff was saying about raising his hand through church growing up is 100% true. But I remember one time in a service where it hit me and God said the same thing to me. He just said, show me what I mean to you. And I could not help but to show them. And I want to challenge you that if you haven't felt like God telling you that, check your heart before you worship. Because we don't come here and sing three or four songs just because that's what we're supposed to do. We sing three or four songs because we're supposed to worship and praise Him. And let Him enter this church preparing us for the Word He has for us. You want to experience God? Go to a church that worships and has church before they have church. Why have I started this pre-service thing? Oh, I have a vision that we come in here and have songs playing and the altar's full before we even have church. Why is that? Because we have church before we have church. If our hearts are prepared for God before we even start, what are our services going to look like? We won't be able to describe them. Oh, man. Why was this on my heart? We're talking about the voice today. Your voice. What do you do with your voice? What's the most important thing that you do with your voice? How can your voice do good? How can it do wrong? I'm going to throw a lot of Scriptures at you today. Um, and we're going to roll through them. They're all going to be on the screen. But if you want to take them, I encourage you to get your little sermon note card and write them down. So you can see them because I didn't even put all of the verses that the Bible talks about your voice or your tongue or your words. But I have a lot of them in here today. And I encourage you to write them down because every one of them tells you what you should and what you should not do. And a lot of them even tell you if you do, this is the good that's going to happen. And if you don't, this is what's going to happen. But our voices, our voices are made for worship. That's why God gave them to us was to worship Him. That's it. That's it. I was at, you know, our our area is blessed with those for for rural South Arkansas. Our area is blessed with a lot of really really strong good pastors. Um, Y'all know how I feel about Carly Davis at first I just smacked over. I'd run through a wall for that man. He's kind of taken that role of my dad where I can go to him for advice or go talk to him about things. Love that man to death. One of the greatest pastors and preachers I've ever known. In Camden at Oasis Church, Billy Sheets is a great guy. Loves the Lord. Great pastor. Great preacher. Colonel Assembly of God, Scott Knight 
is one of the most real guys I've ever met in my life. I hope when I get done talking to people, I can walk away and say, you know what? Or he, I can walk away and they can say about me, you know what? He's a real guy. He's not fake. He's just a real guy. And that's the way I feel about Scott Knight. I can sit and talk with him for hours because it's just a real conversation. And he doesn't try to tell you what's great and what's not great. He's just real with you. If things are going great, he's going to tell you. If they're not going great, he's going to tell you. You see the good and the bad. There's great youth pastors in our area. There's a lot of great men, leaders, church leaders, pastors in our area that do a great job. And I'm so thankful for that. But two weeks ago when I was in Scott's church for FCA, he said this in front of his congregation. And he said, I'm not afraid to admit that I found this out at youth camp. And I heard this at youth camp, but I'm using it. And I'm not afraid to admit that I heard this at Colondale Assembly of God and I'm going to use it. But he used this statement and he said, a quiet church is a dead church. And there's so much truth to that. There's so much truth to that. If we're not praising God, what do we do? That's what our voice was made for. I don't want to be a quiet church. I don't. I want to be different. <coughs> if my little girl only walked by me every once in a while and went, hey dad. In my heart I know she loved me, but I sure wish she would say it and show it. In our heart, God knows that we love him. But he sure wishes we would say it and show it. And this is our chance. This is our chance. I've got 15 minutes to preach my sermon now. Ooh, no pressure. Y'all say no pressure. I see Cliff back there already looking at his watch, though, and he's wishing my clicker didn't work. I did not. <laughs> Every other Sunday, yes. Today, no. Your voice. Your voice. Your voice. Your vo I was about to say something. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm not going to. You know, we're starting a series next week on the five senses. Call it, call it, oh, I went too far. Come to your senses. And we're going to talk about sight, touch, hearing, taste, and smell and how that all works in to your Christian life. And how all that fits into your Christian life. And you know, a lot of it comes back to worship when you're talking about your senses. It comes back to worship. So it kind of fits with what we're talking about this morning. But we're starting that next week. But I couldn't start it until I talked about our voice. Because our voice has such a big impact on our lives. And it's not about... Well, it's just not one of the five senses. So I couldn't make it a sixth sense. I don't have any authority to do that. So I said, well, we got to talk about the voice before we talk about the senses. Because if our voice isn't right, the senses aren't going to make sense. If that makes sense. I kind of confused myself there. But our voice has to be in the right spot. So that's what we're looking at next week. The start. It'll go five weeks. 
And we'll talk about each sense and how you can connect your senses to God. And if the natural senses are connected to God, that means our lives are going to be connected to Him as well. And so we'll start that next week. Now, if you saw on Facebook where I put this next slide up there, you're, this is probably what you're waiting on. Probably what you're waiting on. And this is where I'm fixing to get in trouble. The voice. The average man speaks 10,000 words a day. The average female speaks 25,000 words a day. I did not hear one man say amen. And I fully expected to... That's where we were fixing to blow the roof off this place. Y'all are smarter than me. <laughs> exactly. But the average man speaks 10,000 words a day. The average female speaks 25,000 words a day. To me, that just means men have 15,000 less chances to get ourselves in trouble. But somehow in those 10,000 words, about 7,500 of them get us in trouble. Okay? Amen. There you go, females. Y'all got it. Y'all are figuring this out. Figuring it out. Now, here's the truth, okay? And I've got to say this because I don't want you to start throwing hymnals at me. We're not using them and y'all might think they're weapons now. I don't know. There is no scientific data to back up these statistics. Okay? This, is a, this came from somebody who decided to do a marriage pamphlet and these are the numbers they came up with. And I'm pretty sure that guy might have just been counting his words and his wife's words. That's why he probably needed to write a marriage pamphlet. Okay? But there's no scientific data to this. There's actually been scientific tests that have said that women speak about 16,000 words a day and men speak about 15,000 words a day. So they're actually pretty equal. I just didn't put that up on the slide because it's not near as much fun. Okay? Not near as much fun. Now, here's the thing. Oh, there's one more I've got to show you. Old Chinese proverb, the tongue is the sword of a woman and she never lets it become rusty. <laughs> How awesome is that? It's not true, right, Ian? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was not. That is not from old Chinese person. That's from old Chinese guy. Okay, um, but uh, it's just I'm having a little fun this morning. Okay, I'm having a little fun this morning. But that is actually an old Chinese proverb. Um, the thing is, and I want to show you this too. And I know that's hard to see. It might not be for those of y'all in the back. And I'll read it. Our voices, we use them a lot. We communicate a lot. And I'm going to show you some statistics on text messages where you're like, well, that's not your voice, but that's how we communicate. There are scientific studies that show that people are far more likely to communicate now by text message than they are by calling somebody. I'm those people. You call me and I will answer the phone. I promise you. But if you text me, I'm going to respond to that text in a heartbeat. I'd much rather text than talk. I don't know if that's because I'm rude. I don't think it is. Um, it just, it's easier. It's more convenient. I do get that from my mom. I do. But I would rather text than talk. That's just the way I am. A lot of times in my work, I'm traveling. I can't take a phone call, but I can shoot you a text real quick and not be too distracted with what I've got going on. So these, these, uh, these statistics here, men, 
If you're 18 to 34 years old, you spend on your smartphone 32.3% of your time texting, 35 to 44 year old, 28% of your time, 45 to 54 year old, 21.4, and then 55 to 65, 18.3. So the older you get, the less you text, according to statistics. Okay, and that's the men's side. Now on the women's side, we just talked about for a few minutes how much women talk and how they say so much more in the words than guys do. But on the women's side, you have to get to your 45 years old before you actually text more than a man does. The women text less. Uh, 18 to 34, 31.5% of your time on your phone is texting. 35 to 44 is 24.4%. Then at 45, it goes up to 24.3. Then at 55, it goes to 19.8%. So the older you get as a female, you text a little bit more than the men do. Okay, now, but that's a lot of the time. Think about how much time you use your phone and on average, anywhere from a fifth to a third of that time, you're texting somebody, you're communicating. We communicate by text about 70%, of, I'm sorry, about 90% of the time. By phone, we can communicate about 70% of the time. On our phones, the average person spends almost an hour actively on their phone communicating a day. 58 minutes, I believe, is what it is you spend on your phone communicating. Now, that's not counting the time you're scrolling through Facebook, um, Instagram, Snapchat, all those other things. That's not communicating. That's looking. Okay? But you spend almost an hour a day communicating on your phone. If you spend an hour a day communicating on your phone, how many times do you have to make an impact in somebody's life? It's almost immeasurable. Because in that hour that you're on the phone throughout a day communicating, actively communicating, how many different people are you talking to? I got a text the other day from somebody early in the morning and I responded. And then at the end of the day, I needed to text them back and talk a little bit more about what we discussed that morning. And I had to go through almost 30 text messages to find where he had texted me earlier that morning. I had gotten text messages from 30 different people in that one day in between texts. So I know that day, just text alone, I could have had a positive or negative impact on 30 different people in one day. How many of those 30 people did I tell about Jesus? Zero. None. Was it because I was ignoring it? No, I was working. I was answering questions, sending questions. But out of those 30, I never asked them, hey, how's your day going? I never asked them, hey, is there anything I can pray about with you? Not one time. You ever had somebody come up randomly and ask you, hey, is there something I can pray about with you? <clears throat> the feeling that gives you in your heart to know that somebody just wants to know if there's something they can pray about. It's one of the best feelings you can get as a Christian. And I had 30 chances in one day to do it and I didn't do it to anybody. Our voice carries so much weight how much do we spend Americans on average in 26 billion text messages a day? 26 billion. That means they send 9.4 trillion texts in a year. That's a lot of messages floating through the space. 
to get to a phone. Okay? Each American sends or receives about 94 texts a day. That means they send or receive about 33,834 texts per year. It's a lot of messages for each individual person. It's a lot. See some of y'all looking around saying, y'all are way over that mark. I see it. <laughs> Hopefully you're way under, yes. Um, <coughs> but I'm looking at, at some of our members on this side, and we've got some finger pointing going on over here. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist it. <laughs> 301,312 text messages are sent every second in the United States. 301,000 text messages are sent every second. Every second. How many of them are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ? Imagine if a quarter of those were sent asking if you can pray about somebody. Asking how your day's been. Asking, is there anything my church can do for you? Asking, do you know Jesus? And do you know where you're going if you die today? Imagine the impact we could have on America if just a quarter of those were used for that purpose. Imagine the impact. You know, our voice can impact our lives in three different ways. It can impact us emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And we're going to look at a few of those here and talk about those. And I'm going to run through these verses pretty quick. And we're going to go through them. You know, I know there's a word today because it has been a battle all morning. Those of y'all that got here about 15 minutes early saw us this morning trying to get all of our screens to work and trying to get my clicker to work and trying to get everything to work because it wasn't working this morning. But we finally got it resolved. And when I went to print off my notes at the house, and before I left yesterday, I printed them last night and went to get them this morning because they're upstairs and I didn't want to climb the stairs last night because I was tired and lazy. So we got them this morning. Actually, Heather got them for me this morning. I didn't even go up this morning. She brings them down and it's just smeared. And I'm like, that's not good. So I tried to reprint them this morning and it wouldn't even print at all. So I come here and I'm like, I'll just use the church printer and I print, use the church's printer and it jams up and I can't get the jam undone. I have no notes. Some of y'all are like, all right, it's already time to go. Um, this has been a battle, but there's a special word that God has for somebody today. Right. I think it's already been proven. So we're going to go through this. So I took my little piece of paper and I wrote down just a few things that I remembered that I wanted to say for sure to get to. So we're going to roll through these pretty quick. The first one is emotion. This is what I want you to understand about emotion in your voice. We've all heard that phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. That is a lie straight from the pits of hell. Yeah, sticks and stones will break your bones. That part's the truth. But words will never hurt me is something that people say when they want to fake that they're tough. When they want to prove something to somebody else instead of just being real. Words will cut you just as deep as a sword will. And they will hurt you just as much as any physical attack that you can have. 
So when we speak to somebody and we talk to somebody, how we say, what we say is very important. Our voice matters. James chapter 3, verse 6, it says, And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. It is set on fire by hell itself. I can't think of a more serious verse in the Bible than that one right there when you're talking about your tongue. It literally says it can destroy your life because it is set on fire by the fire in hell itself. Your tongue can do as much if not more damage than any other part of your body. And how you use it and what you say and how you say, how people speak to you matter. You know, as a coach, a former coach, one of the hardest things I ever had to do was to learn to ignore people who were in the bleachers. Because coaches have this thing called pride. And one of the things that used to drive the wall, you want me to tell you the one that used to drive me the, the most? You call a play, you run the play, it doesn't work, and you hear somebody up in the bleachers go, what are y'all doing trying to lose the game? Well, yeah, that was our goal. We wanted to call that play so this would blow up and we would lose. You got us. Congratulations. Jeremy looks like he said that before. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> I wish, and here's the, here's the truth, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a former coach, I wish people in the stands knew how much preparation went into getting ready for a game. Because I really believe this, 99% of the people watching the sporting event just think the coaches go out there and say, you know what, I think this play is going to work this time, let's give it a shot. All right, it worked. Or, oh man, we ain't putting that one out there anymore. You think you're pulling pieces of paper out of the hat and just saying, let's see if this works. I can't even count the amount of hours that I spent watching film. And I can't even count the amount of hours and nights that the wife and the kids would go to bed and I'd sit in my chair with my computer and watch the same game film that I had watched 30 times before just to see if I could find one thing that was different than the previous 30 times. I can't tell you how many hours went into it, how we would chart things and use the computer and technology and we would have as a defensive guy, which is what I was, I would have a sheet that says on first down, these are their 10 most popular plays. And on second down, these are their 10 most popular plays. Third and fourth down, all the way down. And then I would even break it down by where they were on the field. If they're on the 20-yard line, 80 yards from the end zone, this is their top five most popular plays. If they're at the midfield at the 50-yard line, these are their top five most. I had that stuff lined out. And when I would call the defense, it would be based off of what they typically run because we're all creatures of habit. And even as coaches, if something works, you go back to it over and over again. And sometimes it worked great. And sometimes it didn't. I was aggressive as a defensive coach. I love to lift. Send them all. Go tackle somebody. And if you miss them, get up and go tackle them again. I love to send blitzes. And if a blitz worked, man, it was awesome. We would knock people out. 
But when it didn't work, there's a hole about 10 miles wide that you could drive an 18-wheeler through. And Coach Strickland was looking at me like, Preston, what in the world are you doing? I wish the people in the stands could actually hear what was going on in them headphones. <laughs> you think you guys are bad on us. You ought to hear us against each other. Because <clears throat> he'd ask me, what in the world are you doing? I'm like, well, if you could call a play that would get us a first down every now and then, we'd be okay. <laughs> Heard some of it on the sideline. But what was said would hurt. And I'm saying all that to say that early in my career I would hear everything. And it would make me so mad. But by the end of my career I realized that the people who talked the loudest probably knew the least. And what they were saying didn't really matter because I was confident in what I was doing. Was I right all the time? Absolutely not. If I was, I wouldn't have still been coaching at Smackover. I'd have been up in the NFL or something. I wasn't right all the time. But I was confident in the preparations I had made. And so those words didn't bother me near as much. But I still, even to this day, can't say that I was able to block them all out. Because they would cut you. They would hurt. Our tongues make a difference in how we communicate with people. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4, it says, Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. <clears throat> Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. You want to make somebody's day, go be nice to them. Boy, that just sounds way too easy then. You know the hardest thing to do? I feel awful this morning. I'm just going to be honest with you. I've had allergy issues for the past week. My ear, I can't hear out of my right ear. Cliff started playing and it sounded like I was in the middle of a rock concert because everything's echoing and I wanted to tell Austin turn it down. I'm like, no, that's just my ear. It feels like I'm in a barrel. <clears throat> I don't feel good this morning. But how many of us, when we don't feel good, that changes our entire day and how we communicate with people? I'm the worst one. I get grumpy. You can ask my wife. Don't ask her because she'll tell you. I get grumpy. I get short. My oldest kids are in here. They'll tell you too. But is feeling bad an excuse for treating people wrong? No. No. It still takes zero effort just to be pleasant and be nice. Am I going to have to separate y'all? <laughs> it takes zero effort just to be pleasant. Even if you feel bad. Because if you feel bad and you treat each other up short, you never know what their day has been like either. And if they're having a bad day and you add to it, what have you done to glorify God? Absolutely nothing. But a gentle word is like the tree of life. It helps them to grow. But deceitful tongue, the hurtful tongue, crushes the spirit. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 8. Oh, this is a good one. Some people make cutting remarks. 
but the words of the wise bring healing. You cut somebody, it hurts. The words of the wise bring healing. This first, the Bible is literally telling you that speaking truth, speaking truth, biblical truth, and being wise and just being pleasant actually brings healing to the body. You're like, well, how does that work? Well, let me throw this at you here. Sound, your voice, what comes out of your voice is a vibration, correct? It's noise, it's sound, it's a vibration. Sound, the vibration of a sound moves through water four times faster than it moves through air. Okay? So water moves through water four times faster than it moves through air. Your body is made up a 70% water. So when you say something positive and it gives that person that hears it a positive reaction, the positive sound is literally moving through your body. If somebody says something nice to you, it automatically makes you feel good. If somebody yells to you, yells at you, how does your body react? You fold up. You put your head down. Your body literally, literally reacts to the vibrations of the sound coming at you. And pleasant words can bring healing to the body. If hearing something positive makes you feel good, it is healing your body. And if your body is ailing with something or you're hurting with something, actually hearing positive words and hearing truth can help your body improve. That's biblical, and you can throw a little science into it. Isaiah 50, chapter 4, or sorry, chapter 50, verse 4 says, The sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I know how to comfort the weary. God has given us his wisdom so we can use it to help someone's emotions. We're talking about the emotional aspect here. God's given us wisdom to use to help someone in a time of need. When somebody hurts, if we seek God and we stay focused on Him, we know exactly what to say to bring them comfort in a very difficult time. Proverbs 12.25, it says, Worry weighs a person down. Encouraging word cheers a person up. You worry about stuff, worry comes from the devil, guys. It's going to weigh you down. But if you just cheer somebody, or if you encourage somebody, it lifts them up. Common sense. That's the emotional aspect of it. Where do your emotions come into? Your voice can have an impact on your emotions and the emotions of others. Then we go to the physical aspect. What you say can literally be the difference in somebody's life and death. Do you realize that? Your words literally can be the difference in life and death. If you're a judge one day, or you're on the jury, and you find somebody guilty of murder, and the penalty is the death penalty, and that's what you assign. Your words, your voice, has led to the death of that person. No matter how you feel about it or not, I mean, it's just that's the way it is. That's a huge, extreme example. Okay? But your words matter. A young lady in her teens was sentenced to murder 
not too long ago because she encouraged her teenage boyfriend to commit suicide. Y'all realize that? Her boyfriend said she was, he was going through a rough time and didn't know what to do. And she said, well, why don't you just kill yourself? And then it's all over. And he did. She was charged with murder. Your words can literally be the difference between life and death. Proverbs 18.21 The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap its consequences. The tongue will bring death or life. The tongue there, that word tongue literally is broken into, or it means spoken word. The words you speak can bring life and death. And those who love to talk will reap the consequences. What does that mean? If you talk too much, you're going to end up getting yourself in trouble. If you talk too much, you're going to end up getting yourself in trouble. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 3. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Now, I'm using the New Living Translation. I love this translation because it kind of lays the law down. Doesn't really mince a lot of words. Those who control their tongue will live a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Again, you control your tongue, you're going to live a long life. You open your mouth, you talk too much, you can literally ruin your life. But see, it's, not, it's more specific than that. It's not just saying your life, it says everything. You can ruin everything. Not just your life, but somebody else's life, your family's life, your church's life. How did most churches get in trouble? Because when you leave after Sunday, you start talking to each other. Did you hear what the preacher said? Did you see what she was wearing? Did you see that guy raise his hands in the song? And by saying those things, there's a divide you place in the church automatically. Proverbs 15.1 It says, A gentle answer deflects anger. Anger but harsh words make tempers flare. Again, how you respond to people. A gentle word deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. You speak with gentleness, anger goes away. You speak harshly, people are going to get mad. That's the truth. Kind of common sense again. So that's the physical. It can lead to literal physical issues not just with you with others but then there's the spiritual here's the spiritual again I'm going through this pretty quick I know we're a little bit late on time just bear with me I'm almost done our tongue or our spoken word reveals what is in our heart Ken Freeman who came a few months ago preaches a sermon and it's one of my favorite ones that he preaches and it talks about well, I think his title of it is Do What's in Your Heart. <clears throat> and whatever is in your heart is what's going to come out of your mouth. So you can tell a lot about what a person is and who a person truly is by what comes out of your mouth. Now, that ought to scare the life out of all of us. Because if I was judged based off the person I am, based off of what comes out of my mouth, there's a lot of things that shouldn't be coming out of my mouth that does. And it really makes me look inside myself as to what is in my heart. 
What is in my heart? What is what am I storing? Matthew 12, 35, it says a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you store, the treasury, something the treasury is something you store. What you store in your heart is what you're going to produce. So, when people look at you and say, well, I heard what he said, I heard what he did, he or she said this, that's what's coming from your heart. And it's what you're storing in your heart. And that's why I've said before, if you come to church on Sunday and you act completely different during the week, one day it doesn't make a difference. What are you storing in your heart? Are people seeing that church person on Wednesday afternoon when you're ready to go home from work? Or are they seeing what's stored in your heart? And if we store what's in our heart the right way, they're going to see the right things. Matthew 12, 36, the very next verse. It says, I tell you this, you must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. Oh boy. Oh boy. On Judgment Day, I'm going to have to pay and I'm going to have to give an account for every idle word I spoke. Somebody might say, well, what does idle mean? Well, luckily for you, I looked it up. Idle. These are other words that could be used. Wasted. Foolish. Boy, I've said some foolish things. Man. Pointless. Lazy. Thoughtless. Unprofitable. Injurious. If you say something that causes harm to somebody else, you're going to have to be held accountable for that on Judgment Day. The last word is useless. Everything you say, let's just be blunt here. Idle. You can replace that, but doesn't bring honor and glory to God. And that pretty much covers it. So you can say, you must give an account on Judgment Day for everything you say that doesn't bring honor and glory to God. Well, that's scary. It makes me want to change the way I say things. I've got 43 years of uh-ohs that I've got to make sure it don't happen anymore. Our words matter. Matthew 12, 37, the next verse, it says, the words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. In the eyes of God, what you say will either make you okay or it will condemn you. Woo! That's some deep stuff right there. Really makes you think. James chapter 3, verse 8 says, no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of of deadly poison. In the spiritual sense, we are in a constant battle with our tongues that is on fire from the pits of hell and is full of poison. It's there to bring us down. But thankfully, we have God to lift us up. How are you using your voice? What spoken words, how are they being used? Psalms 141.3, it says, Take control of what I say, O Lord, guard my lips. That's the prayer. If your tongue is full of poison, if it's going to bring you down, if it's made of fire from the gates of hell, this is your prayer. Lord, take control of my tongue and guard my lips. 
we should pray that every morning when we get up. That everything we say that day brings honor and glory to Him. So, question. How do we use our voices? Our voice is one of the strongest tools God gave us when He created us. We must use it according to His purposes and to accomplish His will. We've seen a ton of verses today that say either you can lift somebody up or you can tear somebody down. You can build something or you can destroy something. You can grow something or you can kill it. There's not middle ground in this, guys. There's just not. What you say will produce a positive effect or it will produce a negative effect. It will not stay in the middle. And our voices matter in how we treat other people, how we talk to other people, how we do live our lives. But even more, as we started, our voices matter in how we worship and give glory to God the Father. Because if we're living a lifestyle of true worship, what's in our hearts, we're going to start storing that worship and that love of Christ in our heart. We're going to start storing the love that Jesus has for us and the love that Jesus has for others. We're going to start storing all the great things in our heart. And you know what's going to happen? The Bible tells us that if we store the love of Jesus in our heart, that's what's going to come out of our mouths. What are you storing in your heart this morning? What are you storing in your heart? Romans 10.13, it says this, because if we're carrying out God's purposes and we're storing God's love in our heart, we've got to share God's love with others. It says, how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they've never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? I had 30 text messages in one day that I did not tell one soul about Jesus. How will they know to love Him and believe in Him if I don't tell them about Him? that's on me that's on me how will they know if we don't tell them I want to say I store the love of Jesus in my heart the goodness of Jesus in my heart I store Him in my heart but what's coming out of my mouth doesn't always match that and that's something I need to work on Psalms 34.13, just a couple more verses. Psalms 34.13 says, Then keep your tongue from speaking evil, your lips from telling lies. You know, the Bible calls a deceitful tongue, a lying tongue, an abomination to God. That word gets thrown around a lot right now. Abomination. But we almost want to cherry pick the ones that we want to call what's an abomination and what's not. The Bible says a lying tongue is an abomination to God. Well, that one will hit home on. Because it's easy to talk about how good something is and want to exaggerate a little bit, isn't it? You know what an exaggeration is? It's a lie. Dad used to say there's no such thing as a little white lie. If you lie, it's a lie. There's no big lie. There's no little lies. If you lie, it's a lie. And a lie is an abomination to God. It disgusts Him. Ooh. 
James chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. It says, Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. Sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Ooh. If you have a mouth that praises God on Sundays and curses on Monday through Saturday, it is not right. Surely, it is not right. Because if you're cursing or you're talking bad about somebody, you're talking about somebody who we talked about last week is a masterpiece in the eyes of God. A masterpiece. God made them perfect. <coughs> this last verse here. How are we to be successful with our, with our voices? And it is, I love this. This is so simple. And I did not change a word. This is literally the translation of this Bible. New Living Translations, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23. You want to know how to be successful in life with your voice? This is it. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. There's an ending to it though. You'll stay out of trouble. think the old saying, if you don't have anything good to say, say nothing at all, could be any more truthful and valid than I know. You want to stay out of trouble, watch your tongue, watch what your words that are watch your words that are spoken, keep your mouth shut, and you'll stay out of trouble. You know what that means? It's not saying be silent. It's saying that when you do talk, you're sharing the love of Jesus. You're pouring out the love of Jesus that's stored in your heart. You're reaching others for Jesus. When you have 30 different text messages in a day, you're making sure that those 30 people feel the love of Jesus coming through you. We get so busy caught up sometimes working and living that we forget about eternity. And you never know how asking that one person, can I pray for you, is going to impact their day. You never know how that one person might be having a horrible day and you're texting them so you can't see their emotion. You can't see how they're feeling. But they're searching for something and say, hey, do you know Jesus? You never know if that's that one moment that God has set apart in time where they would say, no, I don't. And I've been looking for an answer. Cliff said something earlier today, and I don't remember his exact words, but when he was talking about worship, he said, if you feel God calling you or saying something to do you, do it, you better do it. And it's the same in life. If you feel God nudging you to do something, that's not a coincidence. It's not. If you feel the nudge of God, that's something you should act on right then. And if nothing comes of it, that's okay. You were obedient to what God wanted you to do. God nudges us all the time. You're saying, well, what's a nudge? If you're driving down the road and just randomly it pops into your head, you know what? I ought to send somebody a text message. That's God saying, hey, you better send somebody a text message. So ask them how they're doing. They might send you one back saying, okay, great. Everything's great. They know you care about them. 
simple things that can literally be the difference between life and death for somebody. Your words literally can mean the difference between life and death. Here on earth, and even more importantly, eternally. So I'm going to ask you this. Are you using your words for God's glory? Are you one of those people that fits in the category that might be better if I just shut up for a few minutes? Stop talking and stay out of trouble. Is what's coming out of your mouth more because you've not stored the proper things in your heart? Is what comes out of your mouth because you don't have Jesus in your heart? It all ties together. And over the next five weeks, we're going to continue to tie everything together. But today is the day that we need to have our hearts right. We need to have our hearts right. If you don't mind standing with me this morning. If there's anything you need this morning, if there's anything you feel that God is nudging you about, that you need to come pray about. That you need to come give to God. You might need to live your life, give your life to God. If so, He's nudging you right now. Be obedient and don't ignore it. Don't let it go. Because you just never know. You never know. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for this day, Lord. Thank You so much for giving us a voice that we can share Your Word and we can share about You. Lord, I've failed so many times. There's so many opportunities I've had that I did not take advantage of. Lord, I'm so sorry for that, but I pray that You give me the strength, the guidance, the wisdom to share You more than I ever have in my life, Lord. To make those opportunities, to listen to those nudges, to be a positive, godly impact on someone else. Lord, help me to just use my words for You. To not react to everything with my emotions, but to react to everything with Your love. Lord, I pray that for everyone that's here today. Lord, everyone that might be listening. Lord, let us use our voices to praise You. To glorify You. To bring others to You. Lord, if there's someone that you're dealing with today, Lord, I pray you give them the strength and courage to come and visit with you. In your name we pray. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast from Crossroads, South Arkansas. If you're in our area, we would love to have you join us in person for a service. Crossroads, South Arkansas, reaching, inviting, serving, and expecting.